Welcome to Trending in Education. We made it to the second half of the year. Good job by us, 2020 July. I hear I hear tell there's, there's a trend happening right now that it's in fact July. And I have two uh, of our regular uh, contributors here on Trending in Education, Melissa Griffith and Dan Strafford, here to weigh in on how we've made it to the, the second half of the year, which is great. And then now that we're heading towards the second half of the year, uh, what do we see on the horizon? What's capturing our attention? So maybe kick it off with you, Melissa. How, how are you doing? What's, what's, what's on your mind? You've been on plenty of our, our shows lately. You've been uh, dialing it in, dialing it up, dialing it, you know? There, there's just so much to talk about these days. Uh, I only have one question for you. Is it yeah. July 2021 or 2020? Because it feels like more yeah. than six months have gone by. Yeah, yeah. In, in this time right now. It's 2020. It's the year is so nice. They named it twice. And uh, we're, okay. in the second, so, we're in the second half of it. So, you know, file away first half 2020. It's, this Open is up super a fresh, awkward. A fresh pack of second half of 2020. Yeah. This is super awkward. I took a lot of sleep aid and I hoped I would sleep through the rest of the year, but you're telling me I haven't. Yeah. So yeah, on that sorry. note, yeah. Dad, I haven't seen you in forever. Story. How are you doing? I heard someone on social media refer to the Tiger King portion of lockdown, like as a specific <laughs> section of time where everyone yes. was obsessed with Tiger yes. King. Yes. That feels like a year ago. That, that was feels a like legitimately ago. a long time ago. And it, it's it's Maybe like middle of weeks. March. Yeah, Maybe? like eight yeah. weeks ago. I'm doing all right. I saw a squirrel in, I believe, Colorado or Minnesota tested positive for bubonic plague, today, okay. which is a good way to kick off the second half of the year. And uh, just, here, just, just to be funny. clear, Dan, you saw an article about that. You did not see the squirrel. I did not perform the test. <laughs> you I did, did not, not see with your own eyes Correct. in person administer the, bu- the bubons test. It's right. called the bubons. Right. So <laughs> you're saying the bubons is coming back. I read some stuff. Okay, I read some stuff. Good. So uh, you've been reading the internet is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, and we know uh, that. Which Excellent. part of the internet, Excellent. Dan? <laughs> well, then we know your, your contributions will be outstanding. Yes, sir. So, so yeah, so, so there's a couple things. You know, we generally have not been a particularly uh, partisan show. We try not to be too political, but there's just so much stuff going on around the president these days that we did think uh, this episode would be good to touch on a little bit of that. One topic that we wanted to hit on, one of our trends that actually didn't do so well in our March Madness tournament was tabloid education or tabloid ed. And, you know, there has been a good deal of salacious tabloid-like news about the president. And then, at least in this most recent book that, that was published, there was talk of whether he actually took the SATs or whether he had somebody take them, paid somebody to take them for him. I thought that was an interesting time when something that's capturing at least my attention as someone who tries to understand educational trends and also just sort of the narrative of the tabloid stories. You know, when we talked about tabloid ed in the past, we were talking about Operation Varsity Blues. And now it's like Operation Varsity Blues has hopped over to the Oval Office uh, or at least to the earlier days of the Oval Office. I would, I would put it out there that I don't know which is worse, paying to get your, your daughters on the crew team at U, USC or paying someone to take, take your SATs for you. I guess the latter, I don't know. No, the former is worse, right? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, thoughts, thoughts. Uh, well, uh, wait, I have a question before we, yeah. uh, and then I'll give my thoughts. Yeah. 
does anyone believe that he didn't do it? Does anyone believe he really sat his own SATs? I want to like, see his long form SAT results and then I'll evaluate it. All right. So I want to see, I actually want to see the raw scantrons. Assuming yep. that he actually, did they use scantrons? Probably, right? I don't know. He's old. Uh, I, I don't think uh, they use scantrons. I think it was probably a lot easier to, to game the test back then though, and to let someone else take it. I, I will say this. Uh, I don't know. I don't know whether, I don't know why you would have someone else take your SATs when you're a stable genius. But yeah. that being said, like it, it does not surprise me. And if it's a pattern that we actually know about, about him, that he, he takes shortcuts. Mm. And, and we are seeing that a lot. And so it yeah. doesn't surprise me that it's not that if you ask him and if he ever admitted that it was true or it came out that it was true that he had someone pay, paid to take his SATs, I think what he would say is, you know, I could have done it. I didn't have the time. So I let someone else do it. But of course, I'm smart enough to take it myself, right. which is, this fits his pattern. So I'm not surprised. And yeah. it, it doesn't surprise me that he did it. I just want to make sure he's not paying anyone to take his cognitive awareness test as the president, because because that's that's that'd be suspect. But Dan, please, please. Well, to your to your question of which is worse, I think it's a a tough uh, decision to make. I mm. do feel as though it is worse for a parent to do it for a child and take yes. that ownership out of their hands, mm. rather than he himself potentially, according to this Mary Trump book paying someone directly to take the SATs for him. There is a certain yeah. entrepreneurship. That's in- what I was going to say. Yes. I was ready to devil's advocate right after yeah. you, right. Uh, you said uh, that because, you know, I guess he hired well, you know, yeah, got, exactly. a, got a good score. Which is, which uh, is fine. And I think what he's good for. you mentioned tabloid media and tabloid education. Yeah. This yeah. fits right into the salacious varsity blues and Lori Lachlan and all yeah. of these people that we've talked about. And, um, and on that front, Lori Lachlan, Dan, we talked offline about yeah. this. The fact that when is there a better time to take your two-week sentence than in the middle of the COVID lockdown? Right. Although you want to make sure there's good social distancing in the minimum security facility that right. you serve from. So, so yeah, actually, I have to double check. I don't know what my takes are on any of these things anymore. Like, I get, I get it's, it's, it's tough calls, you know? I, I, will, I will say to take it as it always is, right? If uh, you live a life of privilege, you, you have easier roads, which is, which is what all of this is showing us. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I was thinking about that, that at least that aspect of the narrative is in stark contrast to a lot of the conversations about equity and access, yes. where access is really, you know, just a a check away. You just write a check and you get access. Yeah. And that, that's what's, that's the same theme that was there in uh, Operation Varsity Blues. To me, it ties very much to the idea of affluenza too, where like there is a little bit of, uh, you know, sad trombone for uh, these folks, you know, who have shallow but privileged lives. At least that, that's sort of the a perception that is out there that they're, you know, kind of like a loveless home, you know, not really uh, a sense of of connection beyond something that's more like transactional and tribal. But uh, but anyway, we're trying not to be overly political on this show. But I thought that was an interesting one to to look at. Absolutely. And then yeah. uh, and then similarly, I did want to make sure we talked a little bit about uh, Betsy DeVos, who who's had a tough uh, tough run of it. Also on the tabloid ed side, you know, so Betsy DeVos, truth be told, not, I'm not a huge fan. I have been uh, known to call her Cruella DeVos, although I see other people do that too. So I, I felt less original about it and I kind of stopped doing it. But uh, she, she was in the news for a number of reasons. We could talk about any or all of them. 
But the one that I found most interesting was that she was getting shamed for her bookcase that didn't contain any books. And I, again, I'm going out there on a limb there, but I'm going to come out against bookcase shaming. I am, I am, I am a strong, strong negative on any bookcase shaming. We all, we're all dealing with the COVIDs, maybe the bubans, you know, like things, things are kind of upside down, Z, tipsy, turbsies, like I said, I, I don't know. Occasionally, maybe, you know, maybe you missed, maybe it's a miscue and she had no books, right? Is that, she had no books in the bookcase. Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing for me. One, yeah. if you're making a conscious decision to, to decorate your bookcases, to yeah. not have books there, to make it more yeah. artistic in a way, yeah. good on you. Like if that's a decision you're making and that's what it seemed like. Yeah office choice was it's like the it's like the living room with with the the plastic on the the couch cushions you know like it's like it's a little too i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna go to the other side and then dan i'll let you go back to it like one i i'm i'm with with no no shame in right so like it's her choice and it's just a shelf right we have no for all we know there's another part of her office that maybe she's a huge kindle reader I, we don't know. Maybe she's a huge. Maybe she made the decision to go more green, and so she doesn't have books. Maybe like she's I, an audible. audible you know? Maybe she's not audible like myself. So, mm-hmm. like, I think there are so many ways. Like, so I, w- I refuse to get into the shaming game. Yeah. With her on on that one, but right. uh, I have so many. Let's go to the next Betsy DeVos topic, and then I'll have so much to say about her. I do. I do want to point yeah. out though, like the one thing that's amazing about this is we're dealing with cancel culture, right? We're dealing yeah. with whatever's happening on social media around different people and mm-hmm. and get caught doing something 20 years ago and and the you know yeah. Twitter mob comes for you there's a yeah. uh, account that does zoom backgrounds yeah that rates the backgrounds yeah now, from a content perspective like, this is what i think is amazing that's happening on social media right now is that yeah. someone is out there yeah. having fun rating people's backgrounds and saying and actually forcing the hands of anchors and analysts to change their backgrounds on the fly because oh, yeah. they don't want to be shamed on twitter yeah <laughs> their background which is awesome that she had she had a very clean background it was yep. less distracting like i also because i find it sometimes annoying when people have a whole bunch of books and there's yeah. always one book highlighted yes. i actually find that annoying too mm-hmm. i'm like i know you haven't read that that book just came out yeah yeah <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, but it, it's but, just not practical. But it is the year of the backdrop, so it's not surprising that backdrop shaming has begun. And then Betsy DeVos does kind of, she's a pretty easy but, target these days because she, she hasn't done hasn't done much uh, positive that I've seen as Secretary of Education. And then this would be a great time for a Secretary, Secretary of Education to really have a plan for how to to turn around the lives of these kids and families that have been really turned upside down by the the pandemic, the response to the pandemic, just the the emotional state of the learners out there. If you had a caring educator, someone who was actually thinking about how to lead, kind of fireside chat, talk about the power of education right now, I would love to see that from Betsy DeVos. I just don't think she has it in her. I- I, I would too, and I, I would love for her to not be hypocritical uh, uh-huh. in even her stance, right? So, like her latest stance to try and set nationwide guidelines for reopening schools is mm. against off-brand. Like, I look, I a Republican, Democrat, Independent, Liberal, we're all allowed to have our opinions on how best to run 
government. Mm-hmm. It is the thing that has annoyed me about Betsy's later stance is contrary to what she has always believed in, right? Yeah. Which is you push the power down to the parents and the local schools. Right. Now that Trump has gotten on his platform to reopen the schools to, to reopen the economy, all of a sudden she, they want to push a national agenda and it's just mm-hmm. counter, right? Yeah. And it's, it's not even practical right. at, at this point, which I think to, is the much more concerning point, which is yeah. why I like the book, the background and all these things and outrage culture, which is, is a way to distract from uh, what they're doing, which right. is what I think is really sad. Right. Right. I mean, that's the, that's the tabloid aspect of it is that like, as humans, I think we gravitate towards the salacious, the sensational, and it's just, there's something kind of grab, grab hold of there. So, so I I think that that is, that is a natural tendency, but, but yeah, especially when you think about the level of uh, sophisticated testing regimens that really should be there. If you want to be, you know, intellectually consistent about your policy, if you're going to say, makes sense to send the kids back, then that should go hand in hand with how to make sure uh, the kids and teachers and staff and everyone is safe. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's an interesting time to be doing this show. You know, that's why I'm happy that we got back together. Uh, you know, it's, you know, at least, at least once a month, hopefully maybe twice a month, we can get at least three of us to, to do a, a sanity check. You know, you, are you seeing what I'm seeing? It's, it's like those kinds of things. Well, that's uh, yeah. Mike in that regard for going back to school. I, for my opinion, I don't think there's a single person who doesn't want students back in the classroom. Like, yeah. I, th- I think that's a, something everyone can agree on. Mm-hmm. It's just the steps to get there right. in a healthy and safe manner. Mm-hmm. That, to Melissa's point, in the past, this Secretary of Education would have said is up to governors, yeah. mayors, districts, parents, and all those things. Mm-hmm. And now it does seem there's a weird switch without an actual plan, without mm-hmm. an actual, like, here's how we're yeah. going to do it across these multiple places. I have a problem with people saying, oh, you, you don't want kids to go back to school. No, one, as a parent, I need my kids to go back. Yeah. <laughs> Secondarily, I, I, of course, they, there is a social aspect to public and even private school for yeah. elementary and middle school. Like, we know totally. that. We've seen yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want my kids on Zoom all the time. Right. I, like, I don't want that, but I need to see the how. How are we going to do this and mitigate as much as we can the spread of this pandemic that is clearly not yet going away? And that's where I get frustrated with the the all or nothing, again, of social media, of outrage culture of, well, you just don't want kids in school, clearly. You want this to fail. No, I just want my kids to be safe, all kids to be safe that are going to school and have a plan in place. One one thing just real quick. Remember remember growing up in school, there's always, uh, can we have class outside? I do think it's going to be the year of class outside, right? Like that, from everything I'm hearing, being outside is one of the healthiest places to be. Obviously, you got to, you know, wear a mask and social distance, particularly in uh, close proximity to others. But, but I do expect there'll be a lot of class, uh, class outside. And then the other thing real quick is, you know, rather than homeschooling, I've taken a calling it schooling from home, kind of like working from home. So I think yeah. everybody is going to be mixing a lot more class outside and a lot more schooling from home. And then around all of that, maybe some judicious use of a traditional physical classroom yep. footprint. But but even just the redesign of these physical spaces is going to be fascinating. I, I mean, not to keep uh, harping on a broken record, but schooling outside or homeschooling, mm-hmm. like urban, urban, which we know it's, it's called 
for for auto topics, right? Those are the people that are going to suffer, right? And mm -hmm. so there's got to be, we've got to have government. I think when we talked about the COVID crisis initially when it came out and we were talking about this, we, we mentioned it and we haven't seen any action. We've got to have real practical solutions mm -hmm. for for schools, especially dis where disadvantaged youths are and so mm -hmm. forth in order to keep education going. Because the gap, like when it was just expected to be three or six months, the gap might have been like achievable to get back from this one we're yeah. we're entering no man land where these students are going to fall behind and further and further behind with right. what hope of catching up right mm -hmm. so yeah i think we need to get kids back into school how we get them back into school safely yeah is is a challenge and no one's working on it because everyone's playing politics at this point yeah yeah well and i also think to your point the there may be just lost years in terms of our collective educational timelines, you know, like there, to me, what kids need now more is feeling safe with adults they trust yes. who, who are looking out for them. And then ideally some of those adults are not their parents. And then ideally they start get, getting some, even just for their own yeah. sense of self and independent identity. Like it's, pro I mean, maybe this is me just as a individualistic uh, American talking here, but like, I actually think that's an important part of, your psychosocial development is like you got to be able to operate outside of the home outside of your parents and like we'd already been trending towards a very cautious mindset for like the rising generations and you know i'm looking forward to the other side but it's probably maybe two years from now when you can almost try to inspire a little bit of courage back into folks who are so who are going to be shook cycle understandably like the level of anxiety that we're all living with these days is, is really unprecedented. Yeah. Agreed. It's uh, been amazing to watch this process unfold and people expect it to just go away. And that's not a political state. Just, I think as a culture, mm -hmm. people expected this to sort of ride out and right. hit three or four months. And then we'd start going back to what we were doing and slowly yeah. ease back into life. And now we're hitting this, continuing first wave or, or second wave, whatever terminology. And I think there is a toll on the psyche and on the emotional well-being of adults, but also on these students who are now in summer. And again, that I think for a large part, that at least is a cognitive moment of, I'm not supposed to be in school right now. Like I can yeah. disconnect and I can have those moments of, but once September rolls around and we get back into, if this is the same mode, I, I think that's a whole different ball game from, uh, support a uh, social emotional learning from yeah. all of those sorts of things yeah and, and it's it's depressing right like because in the summer you used to hang out with your friends all right mm -hmm. and it's being away from the people who allow you Mike to that point to build mm -hmm. your identity and to yeah. build your independence that's right. that's the part that we're not even beginning to talk about and I you already see some of the articles of kids being uh depressed right mm -hmm. uh, uh, because they're not able to go out Angry. and they're getting frustrated and it's only going to get worse all and right and it and it, it builds on the same trends, the Fortnite generation. They're hanging out with their friends, playing video games, but there are ways in which people are gonna work around some of these things. So the resourcefulness and the creativity that we have to meet our emotional needs is something that I am struck by. Here in Brooklyn, the, the outside dining, outside you know park life uh, experience. Our lifestyles have adjusted and folks are trying to find, you know, Outlets, also because the numbers are relatively good, at least right now, you know, after they were much, much worse before. But, I, but what I'm just struck by is just the level to which 
we are an adaptable species and we find ways to kind of power through this. But I think your point, Melissa, is the one that I keep coming back to is like, what about those boundary cases, the folks who don't even know how to get access to services? And then, you know, if that same group doesn't have that comfort level to A, seek out the help and then B, seek it out digitally, you know, how do you get, and I've seen more of this in New York to like try to get out into the community with the services, but there's going to be a, eventually, I think it's going to be tough to fund that type of outreach unless yeah. it comes from the, the, you know, the movement from the police funding. It's just crazy the amount of stuff that's going on right now. It is. I mean, it's crazy. And, and you know, I, I, I talk to friends in, in other countries around the world. And it's not the same, right? Like, mm -hmm. there, there is something fundamentally wrong with what's happening in America versus the rest of the world and how we have chosen to deal with this, mm -hmm. with this pandemic. And it's prolonging it and it's going to make it hard for us to, in the long run to, to recover from it, right? Yeah. Like I, as much as everyone, I am a, a, I am a capitalist mm -hmm. at, at my core, right? And I want the economy to, to open back up. But the reality is that the, every time we, see, we take steps to reopen, right? Like we, we, we face a backlash because we have not shut down properly, right? And it's, it's frustrating, right? And the, the ricochet effects are all over. It's in education. Yeah, yeah. It's, in the, it's in the job. job. It's in like the frustration people are feeling. The hospitals, like the articles you read about the toll, the mental toll it's taken on doctors and nurses yeah. to be in this situation. Like th this is the one time where I miss be in a country that is much more family first than individual first because I fundamentally believe that's the reality of what we're like everything good about capitalism and about this economy and about independence in America is what I think has really led us to to where we are right now and how we're dealing with this that and you know our, our government or whatever <laughs> yeah. yeah but on the other topic uh, while we're while we're in the neighborhood of policies that have have an impact and it is a place where both Donald Trump and Betsy DeVos have been pretty forceful in their position around F1 student visas and once once the delivery goes fully online that students uh, international students who are here on those student visas would no longer qualify to be in the united states so yeah thank you for reminding me of that one dan because that one really has me incensed on a number of fronts more so than than a than a bookcase that is actually a thumb in the eye to a lot of what i believe in around both you know having the diversity that we want on our college campuses, right. the innovation that you get from folks who come to America, get their uh, education here, and then found companies here and contribute back in, in orders of magnitude beyond what we might have hoped for to begin with. That's, that's the first thing. And then secondly, to just offhand say that online learning is garbage. When the, the see see what we were talking about before as to whether President Trump has taken his learning experience too hard throughout throughout his life. There is some evidence that he has. You know, like it does sound like the the military school was formative to him, and he likes to talk about his Wharton, you know, UPenn pedigree. But but I'm somewhat suspicious about that. That he was actually an engaged learner to begin with, and that he has an accurate assessment of whether online learning is 
is adequate or not. So like, I think there are two, that's my two, my two takes on that is one, the, the, the stifling of innovation by stifling immigration and, and the free movement of folks. Folks should want to study in U.S. universities. That's how we maintain a lot of our uh, competitive edge in the world. And to not have awareness of that and tie it to your anti-immigration platform uh, is really frustrating to begin with. And then secondly, really seems like a, an uninformed take on the potential of quality online learning. What, what do you all think? I can hop first. I think the what you laid out about the economic ramifications here is one that I don't know that everyone reading about this story fully understands. Like the, these are typically, again, not always, some of the best students at these schools are coming from international uh, you know, countries outside the United States. So we are then saying to them, you need to leave because you're going to be studying online and the ramifications of them no longer being enrolled, the tuition there or whatever you want to say that, but also them staying in the States, mm -hmm. building a family here, building a business here, mm -hmm. keeping the innovation, keeping it here it is mitigated. It's yeah. sent back overseas, which is concerning. Yeah. I think there's the obvious sign of this administration in the past has had some severe problems with immigration, some severe problems with the way people come into this country and how they go about it. This seems to be another Mm -hmm. salvo in that discussion of trying yeah. to keep people who are not following the exact letter of a rule from being able to stay for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I think you made a good point that I really didn't even think of, of almost the passive aggressive wave away of online learning of mm -hmm. sort of, well, this isn't real learning anyway. Mm -hmm. If you're not learning in a college campus, it doesn't count. Right. You have to leave. Um, I hadn't thought of in that way either, but I, yeah. I think this is a much bigger story. I think there are 18 States uh, who are suing, suing the administration. Yeah. Since recording this, the federal government has changed their approach and are no longer planning to rescind the F-1 visas to international students studying in the U.S. who only have access to online learning. We left this in because the conversation got pretty good, and we think these topics are relevant, and hopefully our listeners enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I think everyone is going to come to terms with the fact that online education is part of the future pretty much across the board. I, I can't see that really fully rolling back. I think the question is how, how do you provide access to that for everyone? And then also how do you provide the other services that were provided through schools when, when we're sort of entering into this hybrid flex model, which it's gotta be a hybrid, right? I was thinking about the architecture of schools recently. something I'd love to maybe do a show about in the future, you know, what are the emerging trends from architects who are thinking about the design of uh, learning environments? Uh, there's been a lot of work around libraries as well. How do we redesign them to be more learner-centered? And then can you do that in a way that's also, you know, embracing social distance and then is also ideally proximal to students who need it, you know, regardless of where they are. So that, that gets back to the previous point about access. What is really frustrating to me about this, this ICE and international students, aside from the fact that I'm an immigrant and I came here uh, to do my, my college education, is that it's all smoke and mirrors to me. Because the, the government, they're, they're saying, you know, like it, we're, they're all doing it for the reopening of the economy and we're doing it because uh, students need to learn. Foreign students actually pay full tuition. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I like to think that Harvard and the MITs and of the world are altruistic and they care about their students. Mm -hmm. 
those are the students that fund the university, right? Mm -hmm. Almost all of us pay full tuition to come here. We don't, we don't get scholarships. At mm -hmm. best, we will get work-study grants because we're not allowed to work in, in, in this country. And so it's, it's what is needed in order for us to have these universities survive in the economy and then to all the other points that you've made mm -hmm. on it. The other thing it is, it is that it feels very fundamentally to me like, this country just, it, he's, this administration does everything to actually negate foreigners coming into this country. And the, the backbone of this country was built on immigrants. And so right. for me, it's frustrating and it's short-sighted yeah. because innovation will move. Mm -hmm. We're seeing it move already. And that's why the tech companies are, and everyone is also jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah. The good news is I'll, I will, because I read this just because before we came online, the administration is feeling the pressure and they've already started to take steps backwards. Mm -hmm. Like they, they, you, you've heard them talk about the fact that they're, they're rethinking it a little bit. Right? That just mm -hmm. broke. Because I, I don't okay. think they can withstand the, the pressure of all the companies who got on the side of the university saying this was a bad idea. Yeah, so especially I don't like expect it to go forward. Especially research, technology, innovation, yeah. you know, engineering, you know, which, which does speak to a separate topic, which is the, you know, what is the U.S. doing to develop its own engineering yeah. talent, which is, had we had, again, it's, it's where, like, for me, I do try to not go too negative and instead try to say, if our education, Department of Education was trying to inspire the competitive spirit that Americans have to develop better engineering yeah. and if, if it actually felt like there was a thoughtful program even funding you know like spend to develop your own engineering talent in the u.s but instead it's more like they're they're taking our spots rather than they're the best you know for, in many cases they they're better educated and they're better able to <laughs> perform in these highly competitive environments but i think it becomes that whole scarcity conversation where it's either my underqualified seat or someone else bumping me out of what I'm entitled to, which, you know, full circle comes back to varsity blues and the idea that I can kind of like buy my way in or have some sense of entitlement or privilege. That means that's my seat. And even at the expense of innovation, I'm going to take what is owed to yeah. me at the expense of, you know, really the competitive ability of our, of our country. The, the scarcity, the scarcity argument is a farce. I don't even engage in it, right? We have never, there's not a infinite amount of spots in the world. We've seen that as people get more educated, as people strive, more jobs are created, innovation breeds mm -hmm. more sectors. We actually covered that on the Mika report uh, a year ago. It is frustrating that it is so easy to gaslight this entire nation, mm -hmm. that, that this is where we are. And the last thing I will say, as someone who came to America, to study in this education system. And I still think this, it is one of the best at the college level, yeah. university level, it is one of the best, if not the best in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's why people want to come here and yeah. this country benefits from it. And the, yes, I think there is work to be done in our, in, in the K through 12 space, right. but it is not on, it's not insurmountable by any means if yeah. we just focus on it yeah and, and if folks are concerned uh, <laughs> melissa you are a naturalized u.s citizen you are not here on a visa and you are expressing your opinion 
you're, you're, as you're, American, your mind as an American citizen, and good, good job by you. We, we all should be doing that. Yes. Which, by the way, I may they may start revoking naturalization. <laughs> in which case, I may be one of the first. And I mean, yeah, that's yeah. that. Well, if that's what happens, that'll be good for our programming. So, like, we'll have to cover that in some more depth. So, so yeah, we're we're coming Thanks, up buddy. on <laughs> coming up on time. Dan, any any parting thoughts from you? A show recommendation that I just started watching and I just find enjoyable, sort of a break. Upload on Amazon Prime is mm. a, a fun show. Done I watched the first done. two episodes. What, you did that one already? Done and done, yeah. Did you like it? I, I've enjoyed it. I think it's a little bit you know, tongue-in-cheek about technology, mm. about the future. It has some dystopian aspects to it, but it also jokes around with huh. AR and connective... Oh. Our brains connecting to a quote unquote heaven. Well, maybe um, I'll catch I'll catch up to y'all, and that, that might be that might be an interesting one to break down. We like to break down, you know, an occasional media engagement or two, so that might be a, a good one to pick up on. And Melissa, any thoughts uh, from you heading into the second half of the year as we we're wrapping up here? Uh, Juan, upload. I'm a little terrified for. This is why the economy needs to reopen because all these seasons need to start back up. The only way oh I'm God. surviving, yeah. the only reason I'm surviving exactly right. this lockdown is because I watch a lot of television. And so I've, st- yeah. I've started asking people to tell me if they're cliffhangers because I can't. And oh, there's no closure it, 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 at the end of the season. There's no closure because there's definitely a, not a season. Yeah, because Bill- Billions was like that for me, 100%. We binged on Billions, got caught up, and then mid-season, it just stopped because they stopped. Yeah shooting yeah yeah but upload good recommendation i'm looking forward to where online education Mm -hmm. is gonna go i think that is the wave i am concerned as as i'm not a parent but for the the kids and my my friends who are parents i'm worried for their mental health Mm -hmm. i'm really worried that like thank you for that yes you're welcome and you guys are both welcome because i'm not sure if you get through homeschooling there is a reason like teaching is a job yeah. only certain people are capable of doing it right and right I, like so i can i started to have to do like dentistry at home like it, it yeah. wouldn't work it just like <laughs> it just, it, it, i'd be over like no yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It, it, i think online education has got to evolve in case we don't get uh, get out of this and we've got to figure out a way to make it accessible to all yeah so, yeah no great stuff and and also what it what does it mean to be a teacher how do we get more teachers uh, yeah. perspective teachers voices on the show, I think it'd be an interesting yes. topic as well. Uh, all right, so there you go. We're, we made it to the second half of the year. Here's to making it through the second half of the year. That's the second thing for us to think about. And you know we'll be here on the regular, providing you the insight and perspective you need. Listen to us, subscribe, give us a rating, follow us on Twitter, do all the good things, and we'll be back again soon on Trending in Education. Yeah.